Hey folks and welcome to Mountain Bikes Apart podcast episode 3. We're getting on well here, onto the third episode already and I uh, hope you enjoyed the last two. Uh, I'd like some feedback actually to see if this kind of format works. Uh, I mentioned that um, the first series, which is going to be 5 to 10 episodes or so, I'm not sure yet, is mainly going to be me reading out um, a post from the website that has had a lot of conversation about it. Um, and uh, going through the kind of comments. Uh, last time around, we looked at mountain bike maintenance. So it was my sort of um, my views on uh, how often, how to do your mountain bike maintenance. And then uh, a bit of feedback from people, uh, readers of the site, on what they thought of, the, of the, um, the same subject. So I hope that worked in terms of uh, giving you my view, plus a bit of uh, some other views from other people as well. Um, but let me know. Give me some feedback. Uh, you can always get me on Twitter, Colin MC Gray, or email me on Colin at mountainbikesapart.com. But I'm going to continue on. We'll get this series done. And if you don't like this format, then come back to us for a second series, which will be just the standard old uh, talking about stuff and interviews and the like. Um, but this time around, this episode, I'm going to go through uh, an experience that I had a couple of years ago, uh, which was Relentless 24. Now, uh, if you're a beginner, uh, sort of entry level mountain biker, you might not have heard of these type of events. But if you've been in mountain biking for any length of time, you've probably heard of the old um, 24 hour endurance events. Relentless 24 is one of these. It's uh, one run by a company called No Fuss, uh, who are based up in uh, Fort William in the Highlands. And uh, Relentless 24 is essentially um, a 24 hour race whereby you have to do as many laps of uh, a course in for, uh, on the Fort William mountain bike trails as you can in 24 hours. Uh, now, that sounds a bit mental, and it is, if you're going to do that by yourself. <laughs> you can, luckily, do it in teams, though. So you can do it in pairs, you can do it in threes, you can do it in fours. Uh, because we were just doing it for the first time, I went up there with a few friends, and we did it as a team of four to see how many laps we could all do as a team over 24 hours. Uh, and it was uh, pretty special. <laughs> but I'll, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out my report that I wrote uh, for the race, uh, which covers pretty much everything that I thought about it. So I uh, hope you enjoy this, and I'll just have a wee bit of a chat uh, afterwards, uh, plus a few comments that I got from people as well. So enjoy. My arm... My, <laughs> Can't speak. My eyes spring open as the alarm blasts into life. I look over at the offending item and the clock confirms that I've been asleep around four hours. Of course, when I say asleep, I'm referring to the practice of lying on my back in a sleeping bag, squeezing my eyes shut and trying not to hear the whistling wind and driving rain, making a valiant attempt at knocking down the walls of my tent. It's time to get back on the bike. Not for the first time in the past 24 hours, I mutter, mutter, mutter to myself, what the hell am I doing? Relentless 24 is going to kill me. I'm sure it wasn't my idea. I'd always thought about getting involved in a 24-hour race, but something always got in the way. I think the idea of doing it as a pair appealed as a really good challenge. It always seemed that 24 hours, uh, sorry, 12 hours of biking and 24 hours would be a pretty good achievement, I thought, but never quite got into the training I'd need for that. Then there was the quad option, but six hours of cycling just didn't seem that much of a big deal. I've often done that over a weekend and a, a, you know, a standard trip away, but as is often the case, a decision was made in the pub one evening drunk we were doing a 24 hour day race in 2011 and we had a pretty lax <laughs> few months so we were looking at a team of four 
So it was four of us, Bruce, Dylan, Rob and I. Easy peasy, we slurred. Preparation for a couple of be- uh, pairs in the next one, I would say. A quick check of the interweb and we found no fuss. Relentless 24 was in a month. The choice was made. We were on our way to Fort William. We'd thought that a 24-hour race in October might be slightly kinder to us than the infamous uh, January Strath Puffer. But as we drove through the Glencoe Pass, wipers struggling to cope with the deluge, it seemed our guests had been optimistic. We pressed on though, finally put and pulling into the Nevis Range car park about nine o'clock. Two quick tent erections later and the rain had calmed enough to at least allow some outdoors pre-hydration. Luckily Bruce had bought a box of Punk IPA, race fuel of kings of course, and we spent a relaxing couple of hours chatting relentless 24 tactics. Our initial plan was to keep it simple. Taking turns, one lap each, right up to around 10pm. Then we'd split into pairs, the first pair doing around five hours between them, while the other slept before a switch around at 3am. This would mean that the first pair get up uh, around 8am and go back to all of us taking turns, one lap each, for four hours until midday, between eight, eight and midday that was. Theoretically, we'd all get about five hours sleep. Should be a doddle we all crowed as we got stumbled to bed Friday night about five beers in. So, Saturday morning, morning of the race, proved to be a pretty murky, uh, murky but relatively dry uh, day. The trail was soaked, but at least nothing much was falling. I was generously nominated as the relentless 24 starter by the rest of the team. <laughs> Seemed I'd have to do a bit of running thanks to the Lamont start. Thanks, guys. We were lined up, counted down, and it was on. Our first 24 hour race. A full day of cycling ahead of me, I lurched into motion, knees creaking in protest at the unfamiliar movement. To my horror, I was jostled from all sides as the guys around me accelerated to a full sprint, covering the 50 metres to the bikes in a matter of seconds. This might be a bit more serious than I thought. The first daylight section of the race went by in a blur of spinning pedals, mud, forest road, mud, rain, mud, roots, and a lot more mud. I was pretty lucky getting the first run, as the downhill sections were actually pretty fun initially. No fuss had linked together a number of sections of the Nevis Range World Championship course, uh, consisting of some nice tight turns, rocky sections and some bit of Burmy North Shore. There's plenty of speed for those that wanted it, and many did. Inevitably though, a few hours in and a ton of rain later, the single track resembled more bog than trail. Puddles the size of Loch Ness formed, surrounded by seas of sticking, sucking mud, and at points it was wise just to let the bike go. <laughs> Sorry, it was wiser to just let the bike go than attempt to slow down, thanks to traction, which was more often found in a brand new frying pan. A reporter in the latest 24 2011 can't go by without special mention to the rain, something that almost seems synonymous to no fuss events. The rain had made itself known since early on Friday, but it decides to tease us a little by reducing to a mere spit or two uh, by the race start. Around halfway into the first lap, though, it began to sidle in proper. From then on, I forgot any other state than damp, and in each lamp, quickly delved into the realms of simply sodden. First lap, I went out with my two layers on top, shorts and lycra below, thinking it was warm enough that I might as well just get soaked and save the waterproof for later. Well, soaked I got, and soaked I stayed. With each lap came a change of clothes, and soon enough there were no more changes. There were more than a few girlish shrieks heard emanating from our tent as a sodden pair of cycling shorts were pulled on over warm, dry legs. We'd been keeping to around 55 minutes a lap until night fell, when we dropped to between an hour and an hour and a quarter. Rob had had the first dark lap, dusk falling around halfway into his second, and Dylan handed over to me around 8pm for my third lap and my first in the dark. 
This meant that by about, by about 11pm we had all done a lap in the dark and three in total each. By now we were supposed to have swapped to a double teaming it, lap on, lap off in pairs. But it was becoming increasingly apparent that we'd been a bit naive in thinking that six hours of cycling at Relentless 24 was equal to six hours of cycling at Glentress on a Saturday afternoon. We were covering probably at twice the distance per hour as you would on a normal bike trip, just through race pressure and simply not stopping to gorge on cakes and biscuits every 20 minutes as you normally would at the trail centre. It was taking its toll, and that's not to mention the rain. And of course... It's evil, it's, <laughs> and of course, it's evil and able friend, the wind. By 11pm, we'd covered about 24 miles each in conditions that I wouldn't recommend you ever try if you'd like to keep your skin attached to your body. The bikes were falling apart too. We'd had two snap chains, a seized brake caliper, a to the metal bra- eight to the metal brake pads, a knackered skewer, a ton of chains sucking literally around nine gears between us. Yeah, that was about two gears per bike we were uh, down to. And our bodies were quickly following suit. No one fancied hour-on, hour-off cycling through the night. We made the executive and not at all wussy decision to have one more lap each, starting with me at about 8.30, then take it up again at 6am. Rob, Bruce and Dylan followed me, cycling heroically into the night through pitch black, torrential rain, and increasingly unrideable trails from 10pm till about 1.30am, whereupon Bruce made a heroic effort and snuck another one in. So he, our last rider of the day, got a bit, got in a bit before 3am and hit the sack. Which brings me back to 6am. Three hours later, that aforementioned alarm uh, talked about earlier went off initiating the biggest gathering of willpower I'm ever likely to experience. Listening to the rain pelting our tent, I teetered, almost succumbing to sense and rolling over in my sleeping bag. But no, the guys had cycled late into the night. It was my job to start us off again. I shivered back into my waterproofs, damp material clinging to my goosebump covered back, and ventured out into the rain. I thought I'd experienced the worst feeling of the night already, heading out into that maelstrom, but I was wrong. The worst feeling of that night was experienced about 20 minutes later, more than halfway up the initial climb, when a marshal shouted at me, What the hell is your helmet? You'll have to go back, mate. And my shell-shocked delirium of climbing out of bed, pulling on freezing cold clothes and venturing into the night, I'd completely forgotten my trusty lid. Dazed and confused, fighting the urge to pick up my bike and chuck it over the hill, I turned around and freewheeled back down. An eternity later, twice as wet and three times as annoyed, uh, yeah, I got back up to where I'd started and continued the slog uphill. The one plus side of that lap was that the sun rose towards the end, lifting my spirits with it. The final 20 minutes went by fine and I think I actually smiled as I whizzed down the narrow single track descent that preceded the start of the final Landover track. It was the next day, we were most of the way there. I cruised up to the tents and apologetically prodded Rob awake. I'd heard some bad language from the boy in the past, but that moment was somewhat special and mostly revolved around the lack of any possibility of any cycling going on today, including Jesus' inexplicable, sorry, including Jesus's inexplicable participation in said lack of chances. But get up they did, and we managed to knock out some, uh, another set of laps each, finishing with Bruce a little shy of the midday mark. If I'm honest... We probably could have squeezed in another lap at that point, but the desire to pull on wet lycra had dwindled to minuscule levels and we decided we were happy with our effort at 16 laps. I'm writing this at 9pm on Sunday, nine hours after the race finished, and I'm still slightly struggling to describe the experience. It's definitely taken on a bit of a rose tint already. 
I've mainly remembering the amazing parts, the buzz of descending that first single track, dozens of riders in front and behind, the delirious peace and solitude of the dark trail during a lull in the weather on my third lap, the brilliant and slightly delirious banter of my teammates in the middle of the night as we contemplated our situation and whose wonderful idea had been in the first place. I've just read a quote from uh, the solo section winner, Hugh Thomas. This is the guy that uh, rode the whole thing by himself, 24 hours of cycling all by himself. And this summed up for him. Winner, Senior Men's Solo Relentless, 24, 2011. 336 kilometres road, 8,880 metres climbed and hit 24 times in the face by the same branch. (laughs) That just sums it up. I remember some horrendous parts too, though. That weather... The story of Dylan's seized brake caliper and ensuing skewernut search. Rob's lap of many falls and that weather. Was Relentless 24 2011 worth it though? Absolutely. I'll remember that 6am lap for the rest of my life, mainly due to the fact that as I cycled it, I could picture the faces of anyone I described the situation to. Mostly a look of, are you mental? I think that's why we do these stupid events, because normal people wouldn't. And it's probably why, despite my legs, the way that my legs are now aching, I'll no doubt end up in exactly the same situation again. And then I'll be thinking, I'm bloody sure it wasn't my idea this time. So that was my report uh, from Relentless 24 a couple of years ago. And uh, it's funny reading that back, actually. I've not read it in a little while. It reminds me of quite a lot of it. I think it's funny at the end... um, I actually, it's total rose tinted spectacles. I'd happily go back and do that again. But I do still remember being absolutely miserable at a few different points during that weekend. The weather was just awful. And like I mentioned earlier on in that report, you think that six hours of cycling is nothing. Well, it's not nothing. I mean, it's always always a fair bit of cycling, but you can do six hours. I've done six hour trips before and you're tired at the end of it, but you manage. But as soon as you're in a race, you're, the adrenaline's going, you're going faster, you're putting so much more effort into it. And it's a fairly up and down trail as well. There's a fair bit of climbing on there. And by the time you've got that mud in there as well and people around you um, sort of, um, egging you on to go faster, it's, yeah, it's a hard six hours. It's, uh, it's pretty difficult. But I think the thing that I remember most about it was the, uh, the camaraderie. It was just, that's, I think that's the thing that would make me go back I wouldn't do it by myself uh, not just because it's bloody difficult I couldn't ride for 12 hours by myself but mainly because the thing I enjoyed most about it was doing it with the other guys it was the four of us there just blooming laughing at each other having a great time um, for that whole weekend camped there it was just something completely out of the ordinary that we were doing and doing it together um, and we talk about it all the time like that's two years since we did it and still whenever the four of us meet up or even when there's two or three of us there well, it'll be mentioned at some point in the night um, and it'll be mentioned of when the next one we're going to do is I'm actually um, well there's a few reasons we haven't done one since Uh apart from the fact that I I broke my leg a couple uh, last year so I haven't been able to do it for a little while but um, before that as well uh, we yeah there's just a few reasons we couldn't fit it in but we're definitely going to do another one of these soon Uh, and I do feel like we need to conquer the uh, the Strath Peffer Strath Puffer at some point because that's the uh, that's the hard one that's the one in the middle of winter where there's more dark than light and uh, (laughs) more ice than uh, trail 
Uh, Dylan actually, he was one of our um, one of the guys on this one on the Reliance Twenty Four. He's done the Strath Puffer before, and told us it was just absolutely mental. It just it bikes. But that was, yeah, it was mental. That, that kind of was one indication of how hard that bloody race was. It's the fact that <clears throat> on a just a six-hour ride, I went through two sets of brake pads uh, and about two or three visits to the mechanic. Uh, and I mean, I know I look, I, I know how to look after a bike. I know how to fix stuff. But there was no way on earth we were fixing anything by ourselves at that point. So it was straight into the mechanic, pay whatever the hell they wanted. <laughs> they were making a fortune that night, those guys. But it's just the soil, the effort, the weather. It was just horrible. It was just eating bikes up, destroying them. Um, and I had to, yeah, I think that was actually, that was around the time that I wrote that um, report that I read out in the last episode uh, where my enduro was starting to get to, to fall to bits. Uh, and I just put paid to it. I think I took it entirely to pieces after that and uh, retired the bike, <laughs> as far as I remember. But anyway... If you're keen to uh, enter a race, uh, <laughs> you could do worse than doing a 24. Maybe if you're just starting out, you might want to do some shorter ones. But um, I definitely encourage anyone that fancies doing a race to do one of the 24-hour ones uh, with a team starting out, probably. And then you can move on to maybe uh, trios or pairs in the future if you want a bigger challenge. But I hope that was uh, good. I hope you enjoyed that. And um, thanks for coming back and listening to another podcast. Again, always like the feedback so if you want to um, get back to me let me know what you'd like to hear on future episodes ask some questions get me to say something on air just get in touch either at colin at mountainbikesapart.com or at colin mcgray on twitter they're the two easiest ways or you can go on our facebook pages or just search mountain bikes apart on facebook and you'll find that facebook page you can like us and uh, leave a comment so thanks very much for listening and uh, see you next time